0: Growing and scaling a business is complex. It can be very scary and lonely trying to navigate it all. It comes down to the community of trusted people you surround yourself with. Let's dive in to the Business as People podcast. Joe, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another great series here with Joe. He's a partner at the Cornerstone Group and really helping leaders and businesses level up their people because that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. And you know today's topic is, do you have the right leaders at multiple levels to avoid unhealthy churn? and I think we're seeing a lot of people really trying to get like a pulse of their leadership team.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me back, Tom. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that came up in a recent leadership offsite that I was doing with a client was, Hey, we're going through this team cohesion exercise, and we're really trying to understand how we can drive the business forward. But you know, We're 13 people in a company with 1,500, right? What about everyone else below us? And one of the topics that we really dove into was, hey, what drives success at multiple levels of the organization? How can we really scale and, and take our common vision, right, that we're trying to execute on, they were calling it their 2025 plan, and to a person around the table one of the things that came up that quite frankly had them a little bit wary was what are we doing to support and develop a leadership bench at multiple levels? And that really got me thinking about our conversation today because you can be great at the top, but if the people below aren't able to execute that vision, you're not going to have the right culture. You're going to have unhealthy churn. You're going to lose people that you don't want to lose. So and you're just not going to be as productive. And you're not going to perform at the level you want as an organization. These are smart people. This is a room filled with Ivy League MBAs. People who have been super successful investors and business owners and leaders. And the level of humility in the room was stunning to me. And the common theme was, we cannot assume that we have a great leadership bench and a great leadership culture just because we look around the table and we're happy with ourselves. So I really thought that was a great indicator that you know, if they're going through this, what is everyone else going through? Because, you know, there are so many companies out there with less sophisticated leaders and less resources than this organization. And I think it speaks to a challenge that you and I should really explore.
0: Yeah, I, I think when I'm looking at my people and we're also advising other businesses trying to figure out how to help them scale, you need metrics indicators because you can't manage what you don't measure. So what are like key indicators for underperforming leaders?
1: So the biggest key indicator to me, and and we've seen this time and time again, and I'm going to go right back to it, is losing people that you shouldn't lose. You know, oftentimes we call this unhealthy churn, right? You know, churn is interesting because for some organizations to get to the next level, they're going to have to experience churn. And some of that's healthy, right? The organization can outgrow certain people, right? Certain people can outgrow the organization. And that's fine. That's all good. You know, that means the organization is growing, your people are growing, maybe they move on to another opportunity. That's okay. But when you look back after someone leaves, and your first indication is, well, they left for more money, or, you know, hey, they left because they, you know, better geography or whatever. What typically sits below the surface, or what they're not telling you, maybe because you're not asking the right questions, is they left, because leadership was lacking in certain areas in your organization, whether it's leadership culture, whether it's investing in other people, whether it's the communication to people that, you know, you're invested in their success. So I think the number one indicator for poor leadership in an organization or underperforming leadership is unhealthy churn. Something else that we would want to look at is something as simple as engagement, right? There's the want to and the have to people in the organization. And when you start to really peel back the layers of the onion and figure out how excited people are or are not to come to work every day, what percentage of your people you truly believe are going the extra mile to make sure that they're productive, to make sure that they, you know, put their best foot forward for the company every day. If you have a small percentage of what we call want to employees, another indicator that leadership is not, you know, functioning at the level it should. It's not creating the culture that should be creating. So I think it starts with looking at key people leaving, but then also engagement as a whole in the organization, typically are indicative of there's
0: something wrong with the leadership in that organization. So there's really two main indicators that you guys are looking at to kind of get a a pulse and really hopefully create some type of strategy and to uncover and remedy, you know, organizations who who are actually a, a struggling, right? But to really at the end of the day, build a performance culture.
1: Mm, yeah. And I'll tell you, so I had a client that I was talking to a couple of weeks back and they called me kind of in a panic. They said, Hey, you know, Joe, we're, we replace six people. I said, six people for a company mm-hmm. that has about 80 employees, Six that's a big number. So tell me what happened. They said, well, over the last two months, we had six of our high performing high potential people leave. And our first instinct was, well, they got a better offer somewhere else and you know they're making more money, but then we did exit interviews. <laughs> and what do you think the common thread was? I don't think the leadership here is invested in my success. Now, six people out of 80 is a big number. These were also six of their client-facing people that were responsible for significant revenue attached to significant clients. So it's not just about the internal disruption. Imagine the disruption this is causing with their clients, right? And it just really hit me right between the eyes. This problem is pervasive. It's everywhere. The last 16 months really challenged leaders to get outside their comfort zone to keep their teams connected. And now that we're having this migration kind of back to the workplace where there's more of an expectation to keep people even more connected, right? The binky's gone. There's no more excuse. And the emperor has no clothes in a lot of scenarios where you can't blame, oh, it's, uh, well, I can't do this that well because I'm doing it remote or COVID or whatever, Right, it's basically over. So now it's back to the big leagues, and people have to really step up and they have to start to evaluate how their leadership is performing and how to address some of these gaps.
0: What are some of the results that you're seeing after you guys go through this, you know, kind of uncovering the issues and then getting them in, in the right path for success? What are the outcomes, you know? that your clients are looking for? What what are they seeing?
1: Well, it it depends on how willing they are to admit (laughs) or kind of cop to the problem, right? We're not in the, I told you so business, right? We're in the, I'm trying to help you as much as I possibly can business. And so one of the first desired outcomes is creating more self-awareness. And that starts at the top. That starts with the CEO and the leadership team. And when they are more aware and they're willing to accept what comes natural to them and some of their gaps, then the leadership culture becomes a leadership culture of self-awareness. And that will trickle down throughout the organization. So number one is what we call building a leadership culture around enlightenment, right? I'm enlightened. I'm more self-aware. I'm more aware of the needs of others. And I'm really hyper aware of what I have to do to be great, right? And really contribute to the culture. So that's number one. Two is really leadership longevity, meaning I'm not looking to keep people in this leadership role forever, but my leaders that I'm investing in are staying, right? So they're matriculating from frontline leader to manager to director to VP, right? That you're seeing a career path. You're seeing a matriculation from entry level all the way through. The executive team, right? So that there's more of a consistency, a continuity of, all right, there's a high level of likelihood that once people enter this track here, it's going to take a lot to pull them away, right? They're going to want to stay here. They're going to want to grow with us. So I think those are two really big outcomes, but it all starts with that first one that I mentioned. That first KPI for leaders is all about self-awareness.
0: Are there like specific numbers or like industry benchmarks that you guys try to aim for? Because when you talk to C suites and leaders, they're always asking for ROI, KPIs, Mm -hmm. numbers, metrics, validation. Like, what are some numbers? You know, again, you don't have to be specific to disclose certain clients, but like, what should people expect?
1: I would want to materially increase the percentage of homegrown leaders in my organization. One, it's very expensive, as you know, to have to go outside the organization to bring a leader in. They're just more expensive hires. There's more risk, right? A a great leader impacts the organization in so many ways and has a multiplier effect. A not so great leader, same thing, but in the other direction. So I think really the the percentage I would look at is if I'm struggling today and I know my leadership bench is, is not what it should be or my leadership performance isn't great, I want to take a quick inventory of how many homegrown leaders do I have? How many of our leaders grew up here? And it doesn't have to be hundred percent. I don't think there's a magic number, but if your organization is performing at a high level and you're a growth oriented organization and you have a high percentage of homegrown leaders, think about that. It gives you more control, gives you more influence over the type of leader you want to grow because you can't do anything about other places that other leaders grew up, right? They're gonna bring great attributes with them. They're gonna bring attributes that you might need to change. There's gonna be some cultural norms, right? That they might need to adapt, but you should be looking to materially increase the percentage of homegrown leaders, either leaders you brought in and developed or leaders that you picked right off the tree because those are the people that tend to appreciate your culture and they're just stickier. They tend to be emotionally invested in the organization. So I know that doesn't give you the exact stat you want, come but I would start with a baseline and be looking to materially improve that over time because that is, in our view, as long as you're a growth-oriented company, having a high percentage of really good homegrown leaders, a big value driver.
0: Yeah, it's similar to us You know, in the marketing world. Clients were ask us like, "What's ROI? What's you know industry benchmark?" And industry benchmark sometimes it's the data is not always clean. Like you have to compare yourself to yourself because mm-hmm. the, the the industry might be convoluted because if all these numbers are taking an average and you know you got to worry about yourself. To your point, progress and positive <laughs> numbers. You know, if your number is five, you want to get to the seven and eight and ten. Then you're seeing positive, and and if that's what success means for you. Awesome. So same thing with your leadership team. I think if You decide, hey, I want to grow my managers and then executives at a clip rate of two a year, and let's kind of uncover who are going to be those people that we're going to nurture and develop into that. Versus other people might have ten, right? So like you can't compare yourself, I think, to peers because it's what makes sense for your business from a messaging standpoint. Because you know we work with HR departments to kind of like you got to educate in a way to get buy-in. Cause sometimes this change management or this just change in culture or change in processes and systems or how we wanna grow might not be what they used to. Because again, the pandemic was shining a light, a spotlight on the organization. And it's like, okay, we have to do things today so that we can survive tomorrow and down the road. So <clears throat> we're helping businesses position that internally. There's a certain way to do communication which is really marketing messaging at the end of the day uh, so that there is collaboration, acceptance internally. Because once you build that culture internally, then you can now do messaging externally. But everything starts from inside. Like you got to work on yourself before you can go out there and try to service your clients because you have to have a strong team and culture, which then will show an output on your product and service. Within you have a happy client. So you can't try to to push happy clients and sales. And we're uncovering that more and more is, there's a correlation to why companies aren't performing with revenue performances because there's issues with their people. And that's where agencies like yourself, Joe, are what we bring in and introduce to because you are fixing that foundation. So then there's performance as an output.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and like you said, the working on yourself piece first, you know, that has to start at the leadership level. Another thing, too, I just want to kind of put a caveat on that, it can also be unhealthy to have too many homegrown leaders if you are fundamentally changing, right? If you know your company has to kind of pivot or transform, it's also potentially really additive to bring in great leaders from the outside because they're going to bring a perspective or maybe they were at an organization before that went through the type of pivot you're trying to go through and they've seen it and they can really help you get there, right? So you have to have a, a healthy balance. I think it's knowing where you're at on your growth curve, really understanding what the organizational goals are, what the future looks like, what success looks like. And then if that's your foundation, your values and your, your mission, then installing leaders or developing leaders that are going to help get you there at every level of the organization is what's going to accelerate and fuel your growth and help you to scale because it If you are missing it at any level, you're leaving yourself open, right? You're now exposed to unhealthy churn. You're now exposed to performance drag. You're now exposed to people, competitors coming in and poaching your talent because they've solved that leadership problem and you haven't. You know, nothing is more attractive to especially younger employees starting their career than a place where leadership is all about them right? I think, you know, people are sometimes really critical. Well, these, you know, Gen Z or whatever (laughs) these kids are today coming out of school, I've lost track, right? But (laughs) they're like, well, they're also self-absorbed. I'm like, no, I just, I would challenge that notion. I think that they're just hyper aware of what the possibilities are. They've got great access to kind of behind the curtain. You remember looking for a first job, right? You never got a peek behind the curtain unless you went in somewhere for an interview.
0: In today's world, yeah, you can find so much information about a business. The leadership team on LinkedIn. I mean, there's just mm-hmm. some other platforms that give you an idea of like the or graphics and how healthy do I want to work here? Can I visualize myself here? Versus when you and I were looking for jobs when you got out of school in the early, you know, I graduated in 03. Yeah. So you can't hide. And that's why I talk about branding so much or you know, I used to say demand gen. Like you want people to demand to work with you or want to come work for you or buy your product because of all of the omni channels that you're showcasing your brand and why you're the best or why people should connect with you.
1: The most important sale you're ever going to make as a leadership team is to the talent that's going to either come work for you and or develop within your ranks. And and I think that oftentimes that gets lost, right? You know, people say, well, I want to go be a sales manager because I'm great at sales or I want to go be a accounting manager because I love accounting. And it's like, okay, so who's your client now? Right. And you ask these aspiring managers or leaders that saying, who do you serve? Right. Who's your number one priority? And the best leaders will always say, well, yeah, it's my team, right? If you're a sales leader. Your new accounts that you need to develop are the people on your team. You gotta treat them like they're your client. If you're a VP of marketing, you've gotta forget about the clients that you're out there servicing. Your marketing team, they're the ones interfacing with those clients. You've gotta treat them the way you want them to treat and work with your clients. That's what great leaders do. And so, yeah, I think right now more than ever, Right, taking a kind of heat check on
0: how strong your leadership team is in your benches is absolutely critical to business success. This is all great content that you and I've talked about, and we've talked about this offline all the time, Joe. But some leaders who have to make this decision, right, to either work on their people and do development, they don't know what they don't know. Right. So right. how does someone look in the mirror or wake up one day and just say, I need this? What are they looking for? And I know you answered a little bit early in in today's, you know, interview, but just to kind of summarize, like, you know, how does someone really know, like, I need this?
1: You need to talk to and really listen, right? You need to ask questions and listen, right? And one of the best vehicles to do that is simply a culture survey to ask your people, to pull your people, to get a pulse, around how you're doing from a leadership standpoint whether it's using something like survey gizmo or even you know using a mentimeter right or something that's going to just measure their input the first three words that come to your mind when you think of our leaders right or you know on a scale of one to ten how well are they doing in these areas and you know make it anonymous you got to encourage that and you have to encourage your people to be honest you need to reward incentivize appreciate that you're gonna hear some things that you don't like right that is the best thing that could possibly happen to a leader is that they go into that exercise and say i'm going to encourage my people to be honest and then if you get through that and you realize wow we've got some significant leadership gaps you and i've talked about this before but to me To really address the root cause of those things, tools like 360 assessments are so critical because when you introduce a 360 assessment, you're saying, I'm committed. Because now when you introduce a 360 assessment, now you're gonna be getting real deep contextualized feedback on behalf of the leaders who are going through the 360 process from the people that work with them every day. And now you're gonna start to really address root cause. You can identify all the pain points in the world, you know this, but if you don't get to what's causing it, you're never gonna fix the problem. And we're noticing our clients are doing it and we, we applaud them. They're doing the work and they're being pretty brave. They're putting a lot more of their people, including the senior leadership team, through 360 exercise. And it is giving them such a better understanding of why some of their challenges are happening and they're already now on the path to fixing it. But they're getting there a lot quicker than people who aren't doing that. Because if you don't get at root cause, it's like playing darts blindfolded, right? You might hit a couple bullseyes, but you're probably gonna ding up the wall more than anything else. And so, you know, those are two things I would say, either a survey if you're not sure, And once you're sure that you've got challenges, 360 all day long.
0: Joe, this is unbelievable. Y'all is dropping some awesome knowledge. If you guys need anything, reach out to myself and Joe. And we we continue this conversation offline as well in in, in our community. You can reach out to us on social and email. So thanks a lot again for your time today, Joe. And looking forward to our next discussion. Me too. If you have any questions and topics you'd like us to cover, please email me at podcast at inthinkagency.com or message me on LinkedIn.